Uh, I'd like to say this, that we're, we're kicking off a series today, and uh, I want to just say that I think that this series uh, applies to every single person in this room, and uh, it also applies to every single one of our friends. So if you're ever going to bring a friend, bring them for this series. Um, and this is why. The title of the series is, You Were Made for This. And uh, if you're anything like me, you go through these seasons of asking yourself, God, am I doing uh, what you want me to do? Um, Am I doing what I was born to do? Um, Because we can get busy doing anything. We can get busy um, doing a lot of things. But am am I doing... Uh, what I was born to do and, and what do I need to stay away from? What do I need to gravitate towards? And uh, uh, your career um, is, is, needs to run in parallel with what God has called you to do. So whether you work at the snow cone stand or, or you work at uh, you know, Cisco or, or where, wherever, um, it needs to run in parallel. You know, what you do for, to, to pay the bills... Uh, that's God's way of blessing you. He opened up a door for you. He, he's, he's, he's causing revenue to come into your, your life. But don't, don't confuse that with your purpose because they're two completely different things. Uh, you know, Paul had a job. He made tents. Um, but that wasn't his purpose. That's how he brought home the bacon, You know what I'm saying? And so we got to constantly ask ourselves, am I doing what God has called me to do? Wouldn't it have been a shame if Paul backed up and said, man, business is a booming in the tent business. I'm going to make tents that have a window and and air conditioning and and I'm going to have the first camouflage tent. And what if he would have got caught up making tents and not caught up doing what God called him to do, and, and uh, I just don't want any of us uh, to make that same mistake. And, and I just want to say, I'm in the same boat as you. Um, I come to the office Monday through Friday, and actually not Mondays, that's my day off, but um, I, I come and, and I work, and I can easily get caught up in doing projects and meetings and projects and meetings. I'm one of those people who hate meetings because I feel like meetings just... We talk about the last meeting, we're just getting ready for the next meeting, and we're not really doing anything. <laughs> That's all we're doing. I don't know if anything's like that. It's like, we're just talking about our next meeting right now. Anyway, um, but I hate meetings. Did you get that? I, I can't stand meetings. But anyway, uh, we don't want to get caught up doing things and not doing what God's called us to do. And so uh, I want to make a couple uh, big points straight away. Your purpose for living is not about you. It's, it's not about you. It is way bigger and greater than just you. Now, you're a very, very significant part. That's why you exist. But the purpose is bigger than you. Your life is bigger than you. Have you ever put together a puzzle and then there's one piece missing and it kind of, the, the puzzle's incomplete and somebody can come into your house and say, it's, it's all complete. Get over that one piece. And you say, I can't get over that one piece because that one piece makes the puzzle. You're the one piece. You're a significant piece. And, uh, but it's, the, the puzzle isn't about you. 
And it's not about me. And your life isn't about you. And it's not about me. It's way greater than that. And if you're taking notes, please write this down. If you want to know what you are made for, you have to start with God. You have to start with God. Why? Because God made you. He made you and you were made for him. God made you and you were made for God. And so we're going to unpack that today. But if it, if it starts with you, if it circles back around with you, if, if your exploration of why you were made starts with you, we're starting at the wrong place. And we can easily get mad at people in our lives, get mad at our dad, get mad at our mom, get mad at our wife, get mad at our husband, get mad at our cat, get mad at our dog. It's okay to get mad at your cat, by the way. That's cool. But not dogs, all right? It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, when we get mad, oftentimes it really has nothing to do with them. It has all has everything to do with the fact that in here we're all discombobulated because if we're doing what we're called to do that's called the sweet spot it's the sweet spot you're doing what you call but it but it can't start here it can't start with my dreams my hopes my future my my desires my feelings because as soon as somebody doesn't line up with what i want then we're mad oh okay i got you you guys got your church mask on. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I just, all I do is pray all day long. I don't get mad at anybody. Okay. But no, it, it all starts with God. So let's, let's unpack this. In Job chapter uh, 12, verse 11, uh, it says this. It is God who directs the lives of his creatures. Everyone's life is in his power. And, and I want to say that you have options um, if you decide that you don't want to look to God to say, okay, before I go buck wild crazy trying to run my life the way I want it ran, um, uh, I'm going to go look for other ways to uh, figure this out. You can go to Barnes & Noble and you can go to the self-help section and there'll be about a thousand books there to tell you how to help yourself find you. Um, but I want to say this, they're all the same. All of those books are the same. And so if you really want to write a book, but you don't know what to write, I'm going to give you 10 chapters right now. And you can write these 10 chapters and submit it to the self-help section. And they're going to take it because they always take all of the same book. Let, let, me, let me ask you a question. Do these chapters ring a bell for you for self-help books? Chapter 1. Consider your dreams. Chapter two, clarify your values. Chapter three, set some goals. Chapter four, figure out what you're good at. Chapter five, aim high. Chapter six, go for it. Does this, does this sound familiar? Doesn't it all? It's all the same gobbledygook, right? It's all the same. Go for it. Number seven, be disciplined. Number eight, believe in yourself. Are you with me? Number nine, involve others. Number 10, and most importantly, never give up. Doesn't this sound, have you heard this before? 
All of these self-help books, they're loaded. They're loaded. They're packed out. But they're all saying the same exact thing. And the scary thing is, is it's not, it never answers the real question. Now, self-help books can help you in particular areas of your life. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not trying to slam them. But I am saying this. They will never, ever, ever, ever tell you what you were made for. They will never ever say one sentence and then all of a sudden you're fulfilled and complete. That's never going to happen. In fact, one guy actually tried it um, because there's two ways that you can figure out what you were made to do. There's two ways to do that. Number one is speculation. And this particular guy decided he was going to reach out to 250 of the smartest people he knew. He reached out to four categories of people. He reached out to, his name was Dr. Moorhead, a philosophy professor at Northern Illinois University. He reached out to 250 philosophers, scientists, writers, and intellectuals, asking them, what is the meaning of life? They sent back their best guesses. Um, they, They sent back what they think is the meaning of life. Some of them admitted, we just made it up. We don't even know. Some of them wrote in, I don't know, but if you figure it out, will you tell me too? It was just one after another. People just couldn't figure it out. He took 250 and put them together. And it wasn't that great of a bestseller because nobody really, really knew. But that's speculation. That's the option of speculation. Option number two is Revelation. You can live your whole life speculating. Hmm. You ever hear someone say, oh, I don't believe that. Or, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that. And, and you can always just ask them this one question. Have you read any books on that subject? And typically people who eat, sleep, and drink a speculation type lifestyle, they haven't read a thing on that topic. They're just shouting out what they believe and what they don't believe. But if you decide to shift and say the speculation, that's not helping even the smartest people in the world. I want a revelatory moment. I want to say this, that when that happens, everything begins to change. And so what I'm hoping is, is I'm going to open up the Bible right now. I'm going to read a couple passages. We're going to unpack this thing. And I hope that it's a a revelatory moment. Does that sound good? Let's dive right into it in John chapter 4, verse 13. Actually, the entire chapter, uh, Jesus is talking to a woman who's in a horrible season of her life. She's in a horrible season. He, He met her at a well, and he was thirsty, and she was thirsty. They met at a well, and uh, he, he asked her for something to drink, and, um, and this is how the story unfolds. Watch how this works. In verse number, uh, let's see, 18, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water, as he's pointing at the well, will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring inside 
inside of them. It's not something that comes from the out in. It's, it's something that comes from the in out. Okay. Once I give that to you, it also gives you eternal life. Verse 15. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here to get water. Now, this is my favorite part of the whole story. Jesus realizes she's still talking about water. She's still talking about Avion. Is it Avion? Avion? Water, Ozarka. She's still talking about Ozarka. And finally, Jesus says, okay, look, 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 look. I'm going to level three. You're still talking about water. I'm, I'm shifting gears here. We're going straight to the heart. She doesn't realize that he's talking about something much more deeper than just Ozarka. So then he goes, okay. And then he hits the big question. Watch this. Watch how he does this. He goes, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. We're done talking about water. Boom. Watch this. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have five husbands. And you aren't even married to the guy you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Now, time out. This has nothing to do with my message, but I just want to say it anyway. Okay? Nothing new. But watch this. Jesus is talking to this lady who has five husbands. Now, we're about to learn something about Jesus. Does Jesus look back at her and go, Five? Have you lost your mind? You have five husbands? What's wrong with you, woman? Oh. He backs up and goes, You told the truth. That's awesome. You see, he goes, you told the truth. That's exactly right. What I love about God is that he doesn't look at our sins and what we're not good at and what we're failing at. He has this laser focus to just find good. In fact, if an angel leaned over to Jesus and said, she has five husbands, Jesus would say back, yeah, but she won't tell a lie. She has five husbands. I know. But every time she opens her mouth, she tells the truth. She has five husbands. What in the world is she thinking? I I don't know what she was thinking then, but I can tell you this. I love the fact that she always tells the truth. Isn't that awesome? So when you and I, when we say something stupid, we're like, I know God's mad at me. I know God's mad at me. He looks at you and goes, I love how you're sorry. Man, that's awesome. But I'm so sorry. I did it the 750th time. I told you I wasn't going to do it anymore. I'm so stupid. Man, I just love that you really care what I think. He can't help it. He can only see what you're good at. And so he says, hey, you told the truth. She's sitting here kind of feeling stupid. You just caught me in the, you know, I just told you I got five husbands. I know, but... You don't tell lies. That's what I love about you. So here we go. Back to my message. So he goes back and goes, for you have five husbands. You aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Verse 28. The woman left her jar beside the well and ran back 
to the village telling everyone, come see, come see a man who told me everything I did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. In this passage, I see two things that were created for. Uh, there's, there's other things that were created for, but I'm going to tackle them next week and the week after that. But the two things I want to talk about, number one, is we are created to be connected to God. We are created to be connected to God. Now, where you work is up to you, and you may have fun with that. If you like playing softball on the weekend, man, that's awesome. You can have fun doing that. But there will never be a replacement on why you were made. And you were made to connect to God. And if you ever try to live without it, you're going to be so incredibly frustrated. Now, you may think that you're frustrated at your neighbor. You may think that you're frustrated at your kid. You may think that you're frustrated at your boss, but that's not what you're frustrated about. Frustration is like a big black cloud that you live in. Now, you may put a different face on it, You may put a different name on it, but the bottom line is you are always going to live in frustration unless you're pursuing being connected to God. Now, if you do, it doesn't matter what comes into your life, you will have a peace that passes understanding. Let me give you an example. Chris Arthie is in town. He works for Exxon, and he, he, he used to be a part of our business team, and uh, they transferred him to Qatar. And uh, he's in town this week. He was at the first service. And it's so interesting for those of you that don't know who he is. Uh, he and his wife, they rented a Harley Davidson and decided to go on a road trip. Fun enough, they're taking all the back roads. They're from England, so they wanted to see Texas, and they were going to go to Corpus Christi. Well, a drunk driver broadsides them. They both lose their left leg. Now, if you were to meet them, and they just left about 45 minutes ago, They were in the first service. You would look at them and go, how are you so, like, chill? Like, why don't you hate the world right now? He tells me that when he goes to sleep, we're very close. He goes, when I go to sleep and I have dreams, in my dreams, I'm walking and running. He goes, but when I wake up, the first thing I see is a wheelchair. He's ran... Uh, 16 marathons, including the top five, Paris, Berlin, New York, the Boston. The first thing he sees is a wheelchair. But when you talk to him and you talk to his wife, it's confusing. It's why aren't you mad? Why aren't you ticked? Why aren't you bitter? I know people that have gone through far less than you and they're the most bitter people I've ever met in my life. Why in the world are you not bitter? And they have this peace that really, it just passes understanding. It's like, what? Huh? How are you so, huh? It's a peace that passes understanding, but that does not happen unless you're connected to God. That doesn't happen unless you're praying and pursuing. Absolutely. Absolutely. That doesn't happen. And so we want to know him. It's to know him. Let me say this, that uh, number two, uh, underneath being connected to God, or B rather, it's we are made to contain him, to actually, for him to be inside of us, the way I'm wearing this jersey right now, for him to be inside of us. 
to be in us. Okay? To be in us. Now, here's something. I wish you guys could see me park in my garage. I wish you could watch me. I wish you could watch me. You would just sit there and laugh. If you could follow me home today, you would stand in my driveway and laugh at me. (laughs) Because this is why. My wife has to park her car like this. And I have to park my car like this. So our cars are like this when we park. We don't have an option. And and when I open my door, I have to tell my kids, get out of the car. They get out of the car. They shut the door. Then I go in the garage. And then when I get out, I open up my door about a foot. And I I crawl out. Because our cars barely fit in our garage. They barely fit. And you think you might be asking, isn't it a two-car garage? Don't you have two cars? What's the problem? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Because we have got more boxes of junk in our garage that our cars no longer fit. We have a wreath for every season of the year. We have a fall wreath, a spring wreath. What's a wreath? It's branches and leaves all stuck together that hangs on your door. We have one for, we have boxes. I don't even know what's in those boxes. I have no idea what's in those boxes. We got pictures of Teddy Roosevelt when he was a kid. (laughs) We've got pictures. We have, we have things. I think we're hoarders. I don't know. We have, we have Christmas ornaments from when Allie was a kid. It's just, it, we won't throw, it's, it's embarrassing. We can't even fit our cars in there. Our garage was made for our cars and our cars won't fit in the garage because we have so much junk in there and you can clearly see where I'm going. We were made for God to be in us. But when we have so much junk... When we got so many other concerns, we have so many worries, and it's so much about us, God can't even fit in with us. Is this talking to anybody? Is this with anyone? Is this with anyone? But we're made to be connected, to be connected. Point number two, uh, first of all, connected to him. And, And then number two, we're made to be connected to his family. We're made to be connected to each other. Now, this is where a gorilla comes walking through the back door. There's a gorilla in the room. You know, the gorilla that we all feel but nobody sees, right? He's sitting there eating bananas right here in the center aisle. Because when I say you and I are made to live life with each other, all of you go like this. And I sound like Charlie Brown's parents. Wah, 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 wah. And you go, wah, 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 wah. Why? Two reasons why. We're busy, man. Are you with me? We are so busy. And in two weeks, our church launches life groups. And that's where I'm going to come up here and I'm going to say, hey, we're made to be connected to each other. So let's do it every other week. And in two weeks, you have an opportunity to sign up. And the number one thing is going to be, I know that we are made to be connected 
because you purposely preached it two weeks before you passed out the paper for us to sign up. I'm not. This is more than a pretty face. I know what you were doing. And guess what? I was busy then and I'm still busy now. So let me ask you a $2,000 question. The life group is going to be once every other week for us to live life together. Friendship is birthed when one person says to the other, you too? You too? That's when friendship is birthed. So we want to have friendships because we were born for this. But when you say, I'm busy, what if, let's just play along, just what if, I were to say to you, okay, you're only going to have six life group moments to the end of the year. There's only six because they're every other week. And by the time we start, it's going to be the end of the year. By the time you have six every other week, what if I were to pay you $2,000 every time you showed up? group every week somebody shouted out hey, can we have one every week that's a that's a great question so so just so i'm clear just so i'm clear you're not busy anymore <laughs> funny funny how that works we're not busy for two thousand dollars but we are really busy when it comes to hey i know god you made me to connect with people because I've got a lot of pain in my life and, and I know how to make people laugh and, and, and there's other things that I've experienced in my life that if I share them, it'll actually help people, but I'm really busy. Busyness. Number two is fear. Now, guys typically don't talk about fear because we ain't scared of nothing. You're allowed to say a double negative when you're talking about fear. We ain't scared of nothing. I'm a blue blood Texan. I got gun here, gun here, gun here. I'll blow your face away. I ain't scared of nothing. I asked the guy one time who was packing. He goes, I got my CHL. I was like, let me see it. He goes, that's against the law. I'm like, now hold on a second. You'll go 90 and a 40, but you're not going to show me your gun. That's right. It's against the law. I'm like, okay, cool. What are you afraid of? Nothing. I got a piece. It's funny because when you have a gun, you're not afraid of anything, right? It's like, are you talking to me? You talking to me? <laughs> you talking to me? You're not afraid of anything. Look, I'm the guy that is very open about what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid of snakes. I'm afraid of mice. And I'm afraid of rats. <laughs> so why are you afraid of rats? Because they can crawl under your bedroom door. They can. They can <laughs> and slip right under. You're not safe in your room. You're not safe there. I took my son to see Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles yesterday. Big mistake. There's a rat the size of me and he talks. It was for, I was like holding Luke's hand. Is it over? Is it over? Is it over? I am a... <laughs> if there's a mouse in my house, I will be at the hotel. Kids, get in the car. We're going to the hotel. You say, it's only this big. Well, then you go live with the mouse. 
I don't live, I'm afraid. I'm a chicken. I'm afraid. And, and, and w- but when we talk about things we're a little bit more afraid with, people get afraid when we have to interface with other people. If we don't have to interface, let's not. Have you ever been on the subway in New York? That's fun. Look at someone and go, hey, how are you? See how that goes. <laughs> My dad was born and raised in Queens and he used to tell me, keep your head down, keep your head down, keep your head down, keep your head down. But we would like to be that way as well. Just don't talk to me. Why? Because a lot of us have had relationships in our life that hurt us. And we don't have to learn a lesson twice, do we? And ever since, we're afraid that's going to happen again. And so we're not going to let it happen again. We keep people at arm's length. And I just want to say some of those hurts were so deep and they were so significant that it's not even a laughing matter. Maybe it was your father, your mother, your uncle, your grandfather. It's not even a laughing matter at all. It's a very serious thing. But I just want to say this. Whatever happened, Satan had more in mind than just the two of you. He had your whole future in mind. Thinking, not only am I going to destroy this relationship, but I'm going to destroy every relationship that you're a part of for the rest of your life. And you are going to not trust men for the rest of your life because of this moment right here. You're not going to trust women ever again for the rest of your life because of this moment right here. This is Satan trying to pull jackpot. And a lot of times we never trust people ever, 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 ever again. We go into a relationship with them, but we will not trust them. Now, nobody knows that we don't trust them, but we protect ourselves. We cover our heart. We protect ourselves. We watch and we we look at everybody almost kind of like with one eyebrow up. Like, what are you up to? Are you with me? Let me see if I can illustrate this with a video clip of one of my favorite all-time movies. Uh, Maybe some of you guys will recognize it. Why don't you take a look at this? Gringo! Don't you want to see me? The Americana's dead. Cut the old man down. You better hit the heart. Your own words, Ramon. The heart, Ramon. Don't forget the heart.
obviously the parallel is so clear. When you've been in a gunfight enough times, you just start protecting yourself. This woman at the well, we can talk all we want to about five husbands, but nobody volunteers for five husbands. Nobody knows the pain that that she was in. Nobody knows the pain except for Jesus. But once she got connected with him, the very first thing she did without even thinking about it is she ran to the town to tell everybody about him and then they all came to Jesus together because she's born to be connected and that's when she's going to feel alive the most and she didn't even realize what she was doing. That can be our option or we can learn to just protect ourselves. Nobody will ever know. I'll close with this thought. Um, I've been in full-time ministry for 16 years. I was raised in it. My father's a pastor. But when I was 26 years old, I didn't remember exactly where I was at. I was in Kingwood having lunch with my dad. And I said, I'm out. I'm not doing this ministry thing anymore. I'm still going to go to church, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm not doing this ministry thing anymore. Nobody knows me as good as my dad. He knows I have a a fear of abandonment. It's an issue that I have to wrestle with. Now, nobody come out in the lobby and want to pray for me and rebuke all the demons, okay? I'm just... I'm just being honest. Now, there are seasons where I feel like I'm winning that battle, and then there are seasons where it's like up in my face. And... um, I told my dad, I don't want to be in the ministry anymore because, like, people move (laughs) to other states and other cities and other countries, and as soon as I start loving them, they're gone. And, um, And also, there's always seems to be a handful of people that want to remind me what I said wrong on the stage. And just as a sidebar, every Sunday without fail, I drive home going, man, I shouldn't have said that. I wish I would have said this. I shouldn't have said that. And so for everybody that like wants to volunteer to come like help me kick myself home, I, I, I told my dad, I don't want to be part of this anymore. I, I just, I don't want to be a part of this anymore. This is not for me. And, um, you know, my dad's Italian, very Italian. So... This is how he expresses love and concern. You're an idiot. That's, that's, that's my dad just really loving on me. You're an idiot. Man up. Get over there. Um, but I, I backed up. I said, okay, I, I won't quit. I won't quit. But I'm going to pastor differently than I used to. Because by that point, I already had seven years, eight years under my belt. So I'm a pastor differently. Nobody will ever know. Nobody will ever know. But I'm not getting hurt anymore. So now when somebody says, Frankie, you know, like, oh, I'm so sorry to hear that. Frankie, we're moving. Oh, bye. 
Frankie, you did not preach very well. I know. Tink, 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 tink. Can't get to me. Not going to get to me. Not going to get to me. No, 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 no. But you know what the problem is? Is when love can't get in, it can't get out either. It can't. And once you build that, do you know how many people I've married as a pastor? And so often, either the groom or the bride, they're getting married and they're saying everything right and they're going through the motions and they're going to give it their best shot, but they keep just a little part of their heart back because they're not going to get hurt again. You're not going to hurt me again. Most single people I talk to, I'll say something like, man, I'm going to pray a husband in your life. They always do the same thing. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Don't pray too hard. Because I, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. What does that mean? They're, they're smart. They don't have to learn the lesson twice. And, and I just want to say that I was a really crummy pastor for those two years. Because again, if you don't let anything in, you can't let anything out. And we weren't born to stay unconnected to God and unconnected to people. I know. Watch this. I'm going to come home. I'm going to come to your house and knock on your door just one more time and then I'll dismiss you. Are you ready? Some of us are in church today because we know we should be here. But because God, I'm going to come right to your front door. Because God didn't answer a significant prayer that you prayed years ago, there's a part of your heart that you just hold back. You're going to be here and you're going to do what you need to do to make sure you get to heaven. But you're going to hold a part of your heart back because you needed God to come through and he didn't come through the way you thought he was going to come through. In fact, in most of our perceptions, he didn't come through at all. So we're going to go through the motions. But one thing's for sure, we're not going to make that mistake again. I'm not going to get hurt and disappointed by God again. And I'm not going to get hurt and disappointed by people again. I just want to tell you this. You and I will become walking corpses. And we can smile all we want to. But when we're not doing what we're born to do, connecting with him and connecting with people. Some of you say, you don't know the issue that I have with God and the issue that I have with a particular person. And you don't need to put this on the screen, so just let me say it. The pain of carrying the issue is always greater than the pain of solving the issue. Just to sit down and say, look, I need to talk to you. 15 years ago, you hurt me. You hurt me. And it has hurt every relationship I've been in because of this. Now, you may say, you don't know this person. He's the devil. Let him be the devil. That has nothing to do with you. The Bible says to be at peace with all men. You, let them be who they need to be. One thing's for sure. We need to be done wearing this. We need to be done wearing this. We need to come to God and say, I'm all in 
Now watch this. If you never do anything for me again, I'm still going to worship you and praise you. Don't ever do anything for me again. I'm still going to worship you. Still going to worship you. My, my mother in the Lord, my mother in the Lord, her name is Jeannie Mayo. And I said, Ma, how do you give so much? I don't understand how you give. And she said, Frankie, my, I, I shouldn't share her testimony, but she wouldn't mind. Um, she said, my father sexually did some sexual things to me when I was a little girl that hurt me. So she goes, I live the rest of my life giving away what I wish somebody gave to me. I'm going to tell you, I would not be here. Allie and I wouldn't know each other if it weren't for Jeannie living her life that way. We were born to connect with him and we're born to connect with people. And it doesn't matter how busy we get or how afraid it feels. I don't know anybody. I don't know anybody. Guess what? Hell will try to put one of these on you every day of your life just to protect your heart. That's why Paul said, I'll die daily. I don't live for me anyway. I live for God. It's all about him.